What's up, everyone? And welcome to another episode of Shut Up. Keep going. I'm Cindy Goodman. I'm Kate Franklin. And this is the podcast where we explore internet curiosities. Hey. Today we're doing just that. <laughs> the same thing we do every week. Um, Kate, do you want to kick us off? Let's let's get into it. Kick um, us off. I'm picturing you like punting something. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I've never punted anything. Really? Well, no, I have. One time I... <laughs> You know those like animations of like it's like and then it like hits the person in the head. Yeah. One time that happened to me on a soccer field. With a soccer ball. Yeah. And it like literally was like I was by the goalpost and someone kicked it from the <laughs> other goalpost and I just stood there and I saw it come and it hit me in the head. <laughs> That's probably what is the way why I am the way I am. <laughs> when you okay, so when you first started that story, you kind of like wheezed. And for some reason, I like have been doing this thing where I mentally, whenever somebody wheezes or even I wheeze myself, I like picture this stupid subtitle of just like an asterisk that says wheeze and then another asterisk. And I don't know why. <laughs> Wait, what is wheezing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I wheeze a lot. I do too. One, We're just fun loving gals. <laughs> Can we print that on a t-shirt? We're just some fun, fun just fun loving gals. Fun loving gals. <laughs> <laughs> I want the urgency behind it. One time I wheeze a lot and <laughs> I'm just full of stories today. I was take I was in this drawing class one time. It was my first day and this I was really nervous and because mm -hmm. the teacher was like this cool art lady. And she I hate told, cool art people. I, They're so intimidating. I know. God, because I like want to be like that. <laughs> and she told us a story and like everyone laughed and I was like trying to be cool and collected about it. But I was like also nervous. So I was just like wheezing and <laughs> I wheezed like longer than everyone else was laughing. So it was just like, <laughs> and remember she looked at me and I was like, oh God, you do weird things when like socially you're trying to like fit in. Yeah. Like. I realized with the pandemic and being at home, obviously I feel extremely comfortable with Alex, who's yeah. like the only person that I'm really seeing. Yeah. Well, just in general, the people that I'm seeing are people I'm extremely comfortable with yeah. for obvious reasons, yeah. like yourself. Hmm. And I realized though that I've had some interactions, like, I guess I've been really active on Google Hangouts lately because I've had a lot more interactions with people where I find myself being socially uncomfortable. <laughs> And it's just so bizarre because it's been a year almost of me not having to like, ha not really having that feeling very often. Yeah. And I think I tricked myself into thinking I was like extremely confident. Yeah. <laughs> and then like I had an interaction the other day and I was like, oh shit, like how do I respond? Like what do I do? I like didn't know like how, what like a normal person would respond to or like the appropriate amount of time to laugh at a joke. The first, like, big party everyone's going to have after this, everyone's just going to be, like, sweating the whole time. We're all going to be like, hey. No, seriously, though. Yeah. But I am curious, like, without getting into it too much, I'm curious if any, what kind of changes across the board, like, everyone having this, like, time of solitude or, like, relative solitude will have on, like, just like general social interactions, like social expectations, social etiquette, like if we'll yeah. see any lasting changes. I want to believe, and I have no reason to think this except optimism, is that people are really going to want to be in the moment because it's like, I sure hope so. We're I mean, so 
like I just spend all day on devices, you know, and like the minute we're going to be able to have like free social interactions, I'm going to want to just be really present, you know, but I don't know if that's really going to happen. Unless everyone's so uncomfortable that they're on their phones to cope. Or it could be the opposite. People be actually have become like really agoraphobic and like, don't want to like, they'll like go out for five seconds and be like, okay, I have to go back to my house. That's enough. That's enough. (laughs) Anyways, want to kick us off? Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the Proust effect. Ooh. Do you know this? Sorry, it's so annoying. No. (laughs) Okay. Well, you will once I say it. (laughs) It's one of those things where it's like, it's like, Everyone knows this, but it's like kind of nice to know that there's a term for it. Oh, I love that. And it's yeah. like a, it's a, like a scientific th- thing. Okay. Yeah. No, I like it. Wait, before you keep going. Sorry, this is so weird because I just did it. What? Do you ever, I, my feet, the way I'm sitting, I'm sitting like butterfly kind of uh-huh. for everyone at, who's not Kate <laughs> and can't <laughs> physically see me doing that right now. And my feet are touching, but I like forgot that I was touching my own skin and I like moved my foot. And I had this like very bizarre moment of like, I'm like a real object and I'm touching yeah, no, I, myself as the object rather than it's like... It's like an uncanny feeling. Yes. Sorry, yeah. continue. I just had that. No, I get that. Um, I wonder if there's a word for it like there is for the Proust effect. Well, actually, no, I, I can't. I can't say what? it. That's it's... masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? <laughs> um, no. Okay. So the Proust effect... Um, Marcel Proust, we know him, we love him. We, he uh, was a writer. Um, speaking of pretentious, <laughs> he's like he's like the like if you're getting like an MFA in writing, you're like I love Marcel Proust. Marcel Proust. Um, but he was a writer um, back in the day, and he sounds like he'd prey on young interns. <laughs> Young interns in, like, cafes in Paris. You know what I mean? So he has a quote that we're going to start out with from his novel Swan's Way. And it says, quote, From when, from a long-distant past, nothing subsists. After people are dead, after the things are broken and scattered, taste and smell alone, more fragile but more enduring, more substantial, unsubstantial, more persistent, more faithful, remain poised a long time, like souls, remembering, waiting, hoping, amid the ruins of all their rest, and bear unflinchingly, in the tiny and almost impalpable drop of their essence, the vast structure of recollection. So Marcel Proust was one of the first people to coin the term involuntary memory in his (sighs) novel, In Search of Lost Time, or Remembrance of Things Past. I'm excited because I feel like I know where this is going. Okay, great. Well, I don't know. Now I'm worried I'm going to disappoint you. But um, anyways, he didn't have any psychological background and he just worked as a writer. But um, he viewed, as we saw in that quote above, I'm like pointing to it like it was above. Um, He viewed involuntary memory as containing the quote essence of the past, claiming it was lacking from voluntary memory. In his novel, he describes an incident where he was eating a tea-soaked cake and a childhood memory of eating tea-soaked cake with his aunt was, quote, revealed to him. From this memory, he then proceeded to be reminded of the childhood home he was in and even the town itself. Um, And then he dubbed this called involuntary memories. So uh, 
while the smell of Madeline's, which I love, by the way, they're so good. So good. One of my favorite. It's like yum, cake. Yum, yum. It's like cake. It's like a little cake. It's like a cake hug. I know. But like the best kind of cake. We love them. And they, they don't have frosting. So it's like, mm. it's not too decadent. And it's like nice and buttery. Oh, and it's like so good with just a little coffee. We love Madeline's. I want one right now. I'm having an involuntary memory of eating <laughs> of Madeline's. eating one. They make me think of the Starbucks line. Because I feel like Starbucks always had, has them in the little Yeah. Every time I packages. have a gift card at Starbucks, I get them. Oh, it's really? It's a little treaty. I, what do I get from Starbucks? Oh, I guess I really like their almond croissants. I really like almond croissants. I love almond croissants. Because I really like the like indistinguishable goop in the middle. It's yeah. nougat, but. Is that what it is? I think it is. I just thought I, it was like pounded almonds. Because I think that, so for a while I counted macros, which like, I don't want to offend anybody, but I don't think anybody needs to be paying that much attention to what's in your food. It was like a tremendous waste of energy. Wait, counted to be macros? Yeah, so it's basically the idea of like, there's apps that do it, but it's this idea of like, so all food is made out of macronutrients, protein, fat, carb. Mm -hmm. And so, um, or that's not true. That makes up most all foods, but some foods are like high in protein, low in fat, and maybe has zero grams of carbs. And so what you're counting is each day you have a goal of let's say like I don't remember what my goals were but like let's say like 147 grams of protein I want like 83 grams of fat and like 200 grams of carbs and then like you let's say I have like chicken and like I have to weigh my chicken and then basically like do this equation to figure out the breakdown of like how many grams of protein are in the chicken and how many grams of fat and how many grams of carbs and you do that for all the food that you eat for the day so that you hit your macros it's basically like more complicated calorie counting but at the time like it's really really big in the fitness industry for like gains mm -hmm. um and I was like really into it and I paid somebody way too much money don't get me wrong she's a very lovely person but paid her so much money it cost a lot of energy and it was she counted it for you no, no, no. She would calculate my macros for me and she'd oh. give me a new set every couple of weeks. I see. And then, um, she was like my like coach. So I'd be like, Hey, I'm like, have it. I'm like four macros over. Like I'm having a hard time. And she'd be like, just like suck on a grape. And like, <laughs> so That's why they pay her the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, kind of macros. I can't remember why I started talking about that, but, um, we were talking about eating madeleines <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure proust counted his macros let's just say well okay so proust wrote a lot of pages worth of memories about this topic about what what it sprung from him eating a madeleine mm -hmm. and little did he know that he was helping uncover a new area of neuroscientific study. Ooh. So decades later, research hypothesized that the exceptional ability that smells have to trigger memories, <gasps> known as the Proust effect, is due to how close the olfactory processing system is to the memory hub in the brain. Love it. Wait, can I? This is so fascinating. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to keep it relatively anonymous because I don't want to share somebody else's medical history without okay. their consent. But I know someone who had a brain tumor and the brain tumor was wrapped around their olfactory nerve. And ultimately they lost their sense of smell completely, but they had this brain tumor for like years Whoa. and um, obviously unbeknownst to them. But the progression of their symptoms was that in like the 
the worst part of their symptoms was they lost their sense of smell and they had horrible memory. And like to this day, they don't remember things from that like last chunk of time before, um, before they got the brain tumor removed. Wow. That just explains this whole time. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. That's so interesting. It's wild. Yeah. Cause okay. This is the part about it that is so crazy to me because the brain seems so complicated and like abstract that surely it couldn't just be because two parts are close together that that's why those things happen do you know what I mean like it doesn't seem like there's like causality like geographic causality in the brain it feels like it's just a floating orb of abstraction do you know what I mean yes and no but because when you think about like energy and like synapses and neurons and like neurons sending signals yeah like they're sending this might be wrong oh no in my head it's like they're sending like energetic signals yeah from place to place right and so it would to me it makes sense that if something's geographically closer yeah then that would that would be the path of least resistance no yeah you're totally right I just like I think maybe that's just a part of adulthood that I'm learning is that like things are actually really simple, but that's why they're hard. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's something. So I have a note in my, in my phone, that's just like my to-do list. But then at the top, I keep like little reminders for myself. And one of them is that things can be easy because I've found, and I don't know about you, but I've found that like, I get really confused when things are simple and I feel like I'm like, what's the catch? Like, why is this so like forward like up front I don't understand no yeah and especially like in screenwriting and what I do a lot of the day it's just like you see people make this whole thing and then you realize that the answer is just like no it's just that it's like this one thing led to that thing it doesn't have to be this whole thing Mm -hmm. but I think I don't know maybe I don't know what that urge is in people I'm curious, this is a huge hypothesis and only using us as examples. Okay. <laughs> and we've definitely established that we like to like philosophize. Philosophize. Oh, Trust no. us as philosophers. <laughs> we, like to, we like to think about the world and like really think about things. Yeah. So maybe it's not totally correct. But I'm curious if maybe we ha- struggle with the concept of simplicity Um, because of the way that we like our upbringing and, you know, prior to starting recording, we were talking about how kind of like there's a certain amount of resilience that both of us have from feeling like we constantly have to prove ourselves and like our natural way of being is kind of atypical for most like teens and children. And so maybe that, that mindset of constantly feeling like you're going against the grain has served us because I think we've turned out pretty okay. Yeah. And so now that, you know, adulthood, you meet so many other people that it doesn't always feel against the grain and like your lifestyle, maybe there's certain aspects of it that are more accepted. So, and it's harder to accept and be like, Oh, this, like, this can be easy. Like I can just be weird. And that's like, okay. Yeah. I think it's that I definitely think it's that, but I also think it's like, were we talking about, were we recording? We were talking about feeling ageless. No. Okay. Well, in summary, we were talking about how my parents came over to my new place this week and I cried when they left because 
it was weird to say goodbye to my parents at a place that feels like my home that they're like not in. And I know I haven't lived with them for like almost 10 years, but it just felt weird. And I realized it was like, it's because I don't feel like an age. Like I just feel like I've always been the same person and everything around, like the external things change. And like, I'm given a number that is supposed to correlate to my age, but it doesn't feel like permanent or something. Mm -hmm. And I remember I, I called my dad the next day and I told him that. And he was like, yeah, you're going to feel like that your whole life. Like, I feel like that right now. I'm not sure if that's a relief or like stressful. Well, what, what I mean is, so how I was going to relate that to this is that I think when you become an adult, like we still have somewhat childlike, like we, we always retain that childlike sense of the world and so you're like, well, adults are very serious and there's a lot going on and it's all like, da, 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 da. It's all numbers. And then you're like, oh, it's actually not that hard. <laughs> like everyone's just like trying their best. Yeah. And I think as soon as you accept, like not to get us so far off on a tangent, but something that I've learned is as soon as you can accept that, like how everybody shows up is them just trying their best and you, how you show up is just you trying your best. Even if you think you can be doing better and maybe you can be, but in that singular moment, like how you show up is the best that you can do. I think as soon as you learn that and accept that, like life just gets so much yeah, chiller. Cause it's like, you're not getting mad at people for like being an asshole because it's like, that's all they could do for today. And you're not getting mad at yourself if you're not like Uber product. Oh my, did you say Uber? Like the car? <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it though. Like super productive. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, everyone's their own universe. I know I probably said that before, but I really believe it. Um, well, okay. Involve <gasps> Can I say one thing? Yes. Sorry. Okay. okay, so you said everyone's their own universe. I asked Alex this and he literally just looked at me and then we sort of talked about it and then he's so logical that I was like, oh, okay, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> but I said, What if I am the only person in this universe? And because it's my universe and everyone is just a projection of a real person, but they're actually in their own universe where they're the center of it. Isn't that how it is? But like, you're not real. I'm the only one that's real here. Yeah, but that's your perception. So like, that is true. Because it's like, you don't actually know me. You know your perception of me. Yes. Yeah, no, I totally... That's real. Isn't that how life works? The meaning of life. <laughs> I don't know. Because that's what's crazy about it. It's like, I... Like, you think you know someone really well, and you probably do, but it's because you're like... Uh, uh, like, did you know I was going to do this? <laughs> <laughs> she just kicked her leg in the air. I don't, no, I... Maybe that's... Maybe that makes sense to no one else, but I totally get you. <laughs> cool. Well, I... I'm so glad because I felt like I had to explain it like in so many different ways for Alex to understand what I was trying to get at. And then he was just like, um, I mean, like, I don't think about that consciously all the time, but like, if I, I, I try to break it down simply of how perception works, that's what I would say. No, exactly. Yeah. Is that it's like, I am all that I will know. So therefore I am my own universe. Yeah. And exactly what you're saying that it's like you exist. However, how you exist in my mind is just as a figment of my imagination because you are simply my perception of what I believe you to be. Yeah. Cause I can't like get in your brain and know exactly who you are. I just know what I perceive that 
you are. And that's all based on your own experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Case closed. Okay. okay. We just solved it all. Should we stop recording? <laughs> just give us our philosophizer badge. <laughs> they made the vaccine. <laughs> Same manufacturer. Fauci's giving us little sashes. <laughs> Dude, we gotta bring sashes back. I know. I like why why did those exist? <laughs> like just to like For like bachelorette parties. No, but like I'm pretty sure like Napoleon wore a sash, oh, right? Shit, yeah. Were they for like war? We should do I think they were just like to be I don't know special. What I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> to be like this guy's wearing a sash, so like, okay, let's pay attention to this guy. Huh. That um, sounds like a fun social experiment. I just wanna like Wear Obviously, post COVID, no, just show up somewhere and be like dressed really self important and see if you're treated differently. Oh, I bet you are. Isn't that Pretty Woman? Isn't that the movie? I've never seen Pretty Woman. I've neither, but I have this vague memory that I was in Vegas one time and I ran into this girl who was alone, but she was wearing a bride to be sash and she told me that she was just wearing it to get free stuff. Oh, I know. I, I have heard of that being a total thing. I would totally do that. We should do that. We should do that. Okay. Social experiment. Um, we, <laughs> we, love our social, we love our social experiments. <laughs> when we can do them. So involuntary memories, just to recap, are the subcomponent of memory that occurs when cues encountered in everyday life evoke recollections of the past without conscious effort. So it's like when you smell something that, and you're like, oh my God, that was that thing like a long time ago or taste mm-hmm. something or... Even like I, I think like feet, like weather sometimes does that to me. Um, and then there's another subcomponent of involuntary memory called precious fragments. And they are products of common everyday experiences, such as eating a piece of cake, bringing to mind past experiences evoked by that taste. And research suggests that such experiments are especially strong and frequent in relation to one sense of smell. So they're more like... Um, Wait, what's that called again? Precious fragments. Precious fragments. Yeah. And, you, and I think the difference between involuntary memory and precious fragments are... Precious fragments are like not that specific, but it's like a, it's like a sensory thing. I think I was talking about... It la- it's what, like an aura. Yeah. Like last week... The reason I did this topic is because last week I was talking about how I would smell the wood outside my house because it reminded me of like several different things that weren't any specific thing. It just had this feeling. And to me, that feeling is a history or something. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is a precious fragment. Got it. Right. So for me, I feel like early pandemic, like summer pandemic, there's something very citrusy about that and like a very specific feeling that I can't describe because it's not sensory. It's like an energy. It's energetic. Yeah. Talk about pretentious. <laughs> it's energetic. Um, and that would be a precious fragment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's not, it's yeah. Love that. Right. I love it. I'm glad that there's a word. So for Proust that. is like the overarching idea of the all Proust of this effect. Yeah. It's just like, it's like an umbrella. How one thing can trigger memories that you you wouldn't have thought of unless you had this one mm-hmm. random sensory experience. And so the Proust effect causes an involuntary memory and... And it, or a precious fragment. Got it. Precious okay, cool. fragment is within uh, 
involuntary memory. What I think is so wild about memory and brains is that it's like your brain stores things, but you can't access it or remember it. And the fact that there's things that exist, my brain hurts thinking about this. There are things that have happened to me in my lifetime that obviously have happened and exist. Yeah. But I cannot recall. And so then I I feel like it is like a Schrodinger's cat thing where it's like, does it exist if I am the only person that could remember it but doesn't? I don't know if you have this or I don't know if this makes me a bad person, but I was like a big liar as a little kid. Like, I just lied about a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Just, like, and like not, like, lies? maliciously. Just, like, to make my life seem more exciting. Like, I would just say, like... But now, I truly don't know sometimes if something is real or not. Or if, like, I made that up. Yeah. It's very weird. No, I get that. So, I would imagine it's because when you remember things, you are remembering your last memory of it. Yeah. And so, maybe if it's, like, a lie that you told to enhance something that actually did happen, then maybe your brain's confused because, yeah. because of that. Also, I laughed because there was this TikTok that I saw of this woman being like, this kind of same thing when I, like, I don't know if anybody else did this, but when I was a kid, like I used to lie about things to make myself seem more interesting. And like one of them was that she was born in Arizona, even <laughs> though she like lived in whatever state her entire life. And like everyone, it was like a small town and everyone knew her family. <laughs> No, that's so relatable. Because well, I lied one time in kindergarten. I don't know. This was like really traumatizing for me. My kindergarten teacher was my mom's friend. And for some reason we were talking. This is the thing about kindergarten. Why are we learning any of this? Like, I don't Is it just to familiarize ourselves with the world and know why things are? But we had this section about like streets. <laughs> Where you'd have to, like, identify, like, parts of streets. Like, parts, like, as in, like, the dotted line and the asphalt? It would be like, this is a gutter and this is a... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess I wonder if I learned that. I had to have learned it somewhere. That's, like, one of my biggest memories of elementary school is, like, learning, like, like... Okay, I have a lot to say about this, but... um, Anyways, this woman, she was like, oh, like, this is a sidewalk. And she was like, does anyone have a sidewalk outside their house? And my friend Frankie, who was in the class, was like, I have a sidewalk. And she did have a sidewalk. And then I was like, my house doesn't have a sidewalk. And I was, like, mad about it. And so I lied and said my house had a sidewalk. And she was like, I know your house doesn't have a (laughs) sidewalk. She called you out? Yeah. In front of everybody? So that's probably why I have a What did you do? I was just like, oh, I didn't. I thought it did. <laughs> I don't know what I did. I thought it did. Well, okay. So there's this, have you heard of this YouTuber called Blippy? Oh my God, Sydney, you're going to die. So Caleb showed me him and he's like this guy who like is, he makes like YouTube videos for like toddlers. Okay. And he, it's very like half-assed in my opinion. Sorry if there's any Blippi fans listening to this, but he just wears like big, like, you know, like how in middle school, how it was like pop, like cool to get those 3D glasses and pop out the lenses. So you just had the frames. Oh my gosh. Remember that? Yeah. I always wanted to do it, but I felt embarrassed because I think deep down I thought it was kind of dumb. <laughs> but you're like, but everyone's doing it. Yeah. Well, so he wears those and I think he wears like suspenders and he wears like a big hat and he talks like this. And he just like, 
So it's very deranged, in my opinion. It's like very upsetting to watch. But some of his videos, it seems like he's just stalling the whole time. (laughs) So he'll be like, he'll like be walking down the street and be like, oh, what is this? This is a truck. And then he'll just go to like some like commercial truck that like is not very good condition and be like, what is the, this is a rear view mirror. And he'll just go around and like identify stuff and he's just making it up. But he has like 10 million views. It's so weird. But that's what elementary education feels like to me. No offense. I mean, I'm sure you learn more, but. um, Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's funny to remember because I remember in kindergarten, we learned colors. Like, isn't it wild to think about like there was a point in your life where you didn't know colors? Like that wasn't something that you knew. Yeah, well, I think that's what I'm talking about. It's like you just, someone had to identify. It's like, that's what that is. Oh my, okay. So wait. Sorry, this is a tangent. I guess this works because my topic is like a half topic this week. So this, I guess, could be my my, other half of my topic real (laughs) fast in the middle of your topic. (laughs) So what if the color blue that I see is different than the color blue that you see? I used to be haunted by that. But we both, let's say somebody points to the sky and what I see, you would actually call red, mm-hmm. but I have been told the sky is blue. And so that shade and like that color, I identify as blue. But if you were in my eyes and saw the sky, you'd be like, holy shit, it's red. Because you've been taught that that shade and that like yeah, what that is, is, is actually red to you. That's what you've learned. Have you seen the movie Dogtooth? I know. Well, that's what, like, he he teaches his children the wrong definition of words. It's very, like, entertaining. (laughs) So, yeah, it's just this idea that, like, our entire... I mean, it's the same thing as, like, time as a construct. It's, like, our entire existence is... Wow, if you want to get existential today, listen to our podcast. That's, like, um, uh, sign signifier signified right oh semiotics what is that the study of sign processes which are any activity conduct or process that involves signs where sign is defined as anything that communicates a meaning that is not the sign itself so like blue is a sign for the what the color the sky is but it's not blue the word blue in itself isn't blue oh my gosh can you text me that word yeah, semiotics. Semiotics. Semisonic. Um, Closing Saussure time. was like the philosopher that did that. It was a big part of art school. <laughs> it's really embarrassing. Wow. I couldn't say that. Fascinating. I love it. Yeah. Also, you didn't hear me sing Closing Time. Well, what's the word again? Semiotics. And then I said semisonic. And then I said closing time. What is One that? Last call for alcohol. So finish your is that a song? and beer. You've definitely heard it. I don't know why I want to take me home. Who sings I, that? Semisonic. That's why I said it. Who wants to take me home? I don't know it. Okay. It's from like the 90s. I didn't. You've definitely heard it. It's at the end of like every, like, I would say like 75% of romantic comedies do you want to know something really weird that i realized like last year 
I had no idea who the Flaming Lips were. Someone played their most famous song, and I'm like, I've never heard this before in my entire life. Oh my gosh, wait. It was like a gap egregious. in like, <laughs> it was so weird. Everyone's like, this song is everywhere. Everyone knows this song. And I'm like, I've literally never heard it, and I've never heard the words Flaming Lips together. Okay, so I know who the Flaming Lips are, but I do not know. I could, I don't know what song you're referring <laughs> to right now. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> And the way people looked at me when I said that, it was just like I was an alien. Wait, what's their most famous song? I couldn't. Should I? Here, I'll, I have okay. my phone. I'll check it. While I'm checking that, though. Also, sorry, guys. We I don't think we legally are allowed to play this yeah, song for you, oh, yeah. so we'll have to cut that out. <laughs> so just, like, look it up yourself or something. Um, but I was going to say I had a similar situation where in high school, my friend Peter he peter. yeah peter we love peter um for some reason when i said peter i was thinking of like i said we love peter and then i was like peter patter peter patter and then it made me think of peeing for some reason <laughs> anyway um we were in my car and we played bohemian rhapsody mm-hmm. by queen which i think i would argue i thought everyone in the universe had heard yeah he had never heard it and if you know somebody who, for some reason, hasn't heard it, I highly implore you to play them Bohemian Rhapsody for the first time because watching someone experience that song was like in my top memories of all time. It I was think I hadn't glorious. heard it until like the latter end of high school. Wow, really? Yeah, my parents never played Queen. I guess that makes sense. I guess it depends on your parents' music mom, taste. No, but then my mom is like, I love Queen. And I'm like, why didn't you ever play Bohemian Rhapsody as a child? Yeah, I've literally never heard this song. <laughs> so you're not alone. Okay, thank God. People looked, it was very, I... I'm sorry you had to experience okay. that. They were wrong. Okay, sorry. So, um, Proust effect. Oh, I thought you were, were going to have more of a tangent. No, that was my tangent because you caught it with oh, semisonic. Semi- semiotics. No, I know. Okay. Oh, semisonic, the band I've never heard the of. Ba- okay, where was I... <laughs> Okay, so we were talking about smells. So the bulk of this topic, so the Proust effect is involuntary memory. Um, but then I'm, I was really interested in how smells work. And I already kind of explained it. But again, uh, incoming smells are processed by the olfactory bulb, which starts inside the nose and runs along the bottom of the brain. And this has direct connections to both brain areas that are strongly implicated in emotion and memory. Um, Interestingly, visual, auditory, and touch information do not pass through these brain areas. That is why um, the that's why smell is so successful at triggering memory and emotions. Whoa! More than other things, which is so real. Yeah. Right. Um, so p- taste plays a role too. Um, when you chew molecules in the food, uh, I thought you were gonna say Molly. <laughs> For some reason. The molly in the food makes you have real good memories. Um, That's what... I mean, I kind of knew this, but I didn't, like, really realize it. So, um, everything that you can... That you consider a flavor is actually just smelling it. So, if you were to... If you were to plug your nose and eat uh, vanilla or chocolate ice cream, you would just only taste sweet. You wouldn't taste the difference. Okay, wait, sorry. I'm not trying to like poke holes in scientific research. So let's go back to this person that I know who 
lost their sense of smell for two years at least i think it was two years it's a significant amount of time yeah they could still taste really yeah and to this day they still can taste and they don't have a sense of smell they don't have a sense of smell Mm -hmm. i mean you might be able to argue maybe it was a memory of the taste but they can definitely still taste i mean they're one of the best cooks that i know so they for sure can still taste well i wonder if like your taste buds are more are like stronger than your nose at smell at detecting smell but if the problem is and this is not me arguing one way or the other this is me like trying to understand it but i guess like if the problem is though that they literally don't have their olfactory nerve so there's no way to process smell but they don't have it at all they took it out with the tumor <gasps> really mhm they oh, I don't know. Taste. Maybe this is all <laughs> science is not real. <laughs> I don't no, know. So I don't like I said. I don't know. Maybe it's like a memory of taste. Maybe they just think that they can taste, or they're they've tasted like this for so long. I mean, it's been over twenty years that they. Maybe the texture is like now that comes well, in from taste. You were saying that like maybe they can just identify sweet, salty. Yeah. Like the, the aspects of taste versus like what we identify as specifically chocolate. But I mean, they're able to say this is vanilla ice cream or this is chocolate ice cream. That's so interesting. I don't yeah. know. I wonder, there's probably more, this is probably like very broad. Totally. Sorry. I'm not trying to like no, no, poke no, holes I, in I it. Just I just know, think it's fascinating. The reason I was like, oh, that checks out is because there was like a thing when you were a child when they're like, Skittles actually don't have, they're all the same flavor. Mm-hmm. Is that they're all smell different. And that's true, right? Is it? I don't think it's true. No, it is true. It is? I haven't eaten a Skittle in probably It's like 15 the years. actual, like, part of the Skittle, like, the meat of the Skittle is, like, the same thing. But they, like, they, like, uh, scent the different flavors. Oh, really? They it's throw, not like, the, co- a scent the coatings on. aren't tasting. No. It's like a scent Interesting. in the coating. How fascinating. I know. I Maybe didn't know that. True. I mean, I think that that's, I'm sure there's truth behind it because I remember when this person was getting, knew that they had to get it removed, they were very nervous about never being able to taste. Yeah. Oh. It was something they were really nervous about, but um, I mean, they can still taste. And again, one of the best cooks that I know. So that's, I feel like how you know that they yeah. still are able to experience food to a a point where the food that they cook is very delicious also no that's ignorant i don't know no just ask okay you know how like a lot of prodig like music prodigies are blind like i wonder if like that's similar like it like heightens the i mean that's a really good but i guess like sight and hearing is like actually two like explicitly different senses but so is taste and smell or like am i saying that they're the You're same i don't they're know related i don't have any same. authority over them <laughs> well i mean you could argue though that if it, your brain isn't processing both so let's say it takes a hundred things of energy to process both and if you have both taste and smell 50 percent is going to your smell and 50% is going to your taste. So arguably if it doesn't have to process the smell part, then a hundred percent is going towards your taste. Yeah, exactly. So I think that checks out what you're saying. Okay, great. So I'm a neuroscientist at this point. We should name it the Franklin effect. Oh my God. Okay. TM trademark IP. Um, the Franklin, the Franklin effect. I wonder if that's a thing. I like the Franklin effect. Franklin is such a, you should discover something, dude. That's a good 
the the Franklin effect or like the Franklin. You can put a Franklin flag on it. <laughs> Franklin is kind of a gross like really? name. Oh, you don't like it? It's just very like punchy and like not a good. Oh, way. I love it. Katie Franklin. Franklin. That's why I honestly feel like I went away from Katie because it's just like Katie Franklin. It's just like a oh, lot. Interesting. It's so I feel so bad because I feel like I I try to respect that you go by Kate now, but it's really no. Hard you're for really me. good at it. So sometimes I say Katie still. That's okay. I mean, everyone I, does. I say it all the time behind your back, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> Whenever I talk about you with Alex, I'm but like, Katie, da-da-da-da. But then, da, 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 but then, but then do I, I sound like a dick that I'm like, I'm Kate now? No, not at all. <laughs> I think it's like whatever you want to be called. That's true. And so that's why it's important to me to respect that. Can you call me but the Franklin effect? I can absolutely <laughs> call you the Franklin effect. Okay. So neurobi- uh, neurobiologist at the University of Toronto. We're still talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no disrespect to your topic. I'm just laughing at looking at the time code. I don't Um, know what time you guys are going to be at when this is actually released as a podcast, but... Well, okay. okay. The one thing I'm... I'm going to say two more things about it. No, no, no. Dude, do the whole freaking thing. I want the... I want the whole Franklin effect. The Franklin effect about this is is actually two more specific notes. Cool. One of them, which is interesting, is uh, this... uh, Knowing how much uh, taste and smell is related to memory, um, neurobiologists at the University of Toronto have identified uh, this as a leading sign of early onset Alzheimer's. Whoa, wait, can you repeat that? Yeah. Let me just read what I wrote down because it's a lot more. Neurobiologists. Biologists at the University of Toronto have identified a mechanism that allows the brain to recreate vivid sensory experiences from memory, shedding light on how sensory rich memories are created and stored in our brains. Using smell as a model, the findings offer a novel perspective on how the senses are represented in memory and could explain why the loss of the ability to smell has become recognized as an early symptom of Alzheimer's disease. Because it's connected. Because it's so connected to memory, which is so interesting because my my grandmother doesn't have Alzheimer's, but she is 95, almost 96. She's gotten both COVID vaccines. Woo, we love it. My mom gets her second one on Friday. Oh my God, yay. Um, Early birthday present for me. Oh, that's cute. Um, I think my mom's getting hers this week. Thank God. Um, Right, I'm like one more parent. I know, God. Um, But she's like, yeah, I can't smell or taste anything anymore. She's like, I just, it kind of just faded. How fascinating. And I was like, that's so sad. How fascinating. I wonder if it's just like, as you get older, parts of your brain, they it needs to like reallocate energy. But it makes sense because she, I mean, it's sad, but like she does have a hard time with memory now. And it's not because mm-hmm. she has Alzheimer's. It's just because. You're getting older. You're getting older. Um, it's just interesting how related those two things are. Um so, of course, let's introduce capitalism into this. So for decades, individuals and businesses have explored ways to harness the evocative power of smell. So think of a cologne or perfume worn by a former flame. It's like you want to... I just feel like I buy a lot of smells that like remind <laughs> me of like things. This is so lame. Okay, this is so lame. <laughs> I'm excited. So there was this, there's this um, eucalyptus spearmint lotion at Bath and Body Works mm-hmm. that when I was at the height of my like Mumford and Sons obsession, 
I somehow intertwined that with them. And so I would like rub it all over my body and be like, <laughs> be like, like, oh my God, oh my God I'm so close to Muppets. <laughs> I don't want to laugh because I feel like that was really vulnerable of you to share. It's so okay. thank you. But what the, f- <laughs> have you done that with anything else? No, but I remember like, this is such a part about being like a like awkward teen who like just really wanted to be in love is like, I like, did you love Marcus? I loved him, but also like, I just wanted to like have a boyfriend. (laughs) So like, I loved like, you know, like the black ice, like tree that you can put in a car. Hell yeah. I was just like, I always put that in and I was like, Oh, it smells like a man. (laughs) It does smell like a man. I, there was a whole thing. Actually, I associate black ice with a few people from high school. Yeah. Not sexually, but just like, because there was a whole thing. I don't really remember how it started, but it was like a joke. Cause I would, a lot of my friends were younger than me. Mm -hmm. So I would be the driver because I got a car first and it was like some like twisted joke that it's like, I'm like driving you around like your little bitch and they would buy packs of black ice, but like they sell them like a triple pack and they'd open them all at the same time and leave them in my car. So my car always smelled like, wait, your car did always smell like them. Yeah. It was because of such a memory of that. Yeah. So weird. I never remember. I completely forgot that that was a thing until just now. I would literally have at some point like 12 black ice. Maybe that's why I got one. Cause you had it in your car and it smelled good. And I probably was like, please take one out of here. There's (laughs) too many. I actually have one in my car right now. I want an air freshener. Maybe I'll get a black ice one. Um, so have you, have you ever been to a movie with smell-o-vision? No. Oh my gosh. They have. That's real. Yeah. I remember it when I was like little, you could go to Burger <gasps> King. Yeah. You know this? Oh my God. Was there one with the Rugrats movie? Yes. That's what I was about oh to say. Gosh. Dude. Do you remember that? You have unlocked an involuntary memory. <laughs> Through words. Yes. Yeah. Do you remember that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Now I do. Yeah. I went to one, I actually went to a Smell-O-Vision movie like a few years ago. It was a John Waters movie, but it was so weird because they all smell the same basically, but yeah. it smelled like the Rugrats one. And then I just thought of Rugrats and I thought of the friggin' oh Burger gosh. King that I got it at. Yeah. I feel like that's like from like another dimension. <laughs> that's so weird. Yeah. It makes me think of... There was this one time that we went to a movie. So my aunt and my cousin used to live really close to us. I mean, I guess they technically still do. Um, But so we would go to movies with them and it was like me, my brother, my cousin, my mom and my aunt. And it was like me, my brother, my cousin were sitting in front of my mom and my aunt. And we went to go see, I think it was like snow dogs or something. (laughs) The, is that Cuba Gooding Jr. And the way that that movie is marketed it makes it seem like it's this like happy go lucky cutie patootie situation. And I remember they used the only scene where the dogs talk in the trailer and it's like Cuba Gooding Jr. Like laying out and the dogs are like laying out and they have like little glasses Isn't it, like, on. Tropical too. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, like this is like a fun movie and like half the dogs die and it's like very treacherous and sad. And so we're all just like openly weeping in <laughs> the Edwards oh, theater that we were watching yeah. at. And like, I just have this, when I think of 
when I think of theater, ex- theatrical experiences as a kid, I think of that. I think of trying to hold back my tears in Rugrats in Paris when <laughs> all of the Rugrats are dancing with their moms and Chucky's <laughs> just like standing there alone. And no. then I think of me holding back tears in Pokemon 2000 when um, it's like, it seems like the good guys are going to lose. Oh, do you know Rugrats is the reason why I'm making movies? Is because in remember the new like the Rugrats all grown up. Yeah. Tommy like is like a student filmmaker, and I was oh like, my gosh, oh, I'm gonna I be like that. that. That's like literally why. I did. Wait, that's so cute. I love that. Do you know Alex has never watched Rugrats? <gasps> I know he wasn't allowed to as a kid, why? so he just doesn't get it. I don't know. Rugrats had such a specific aesthetic and like sound. That mm-hmm. was like so like nothing else is is like that at all. Oh yeah, I I am and it almost obsessed. creeped me out. Did you know that I don't know what member of the band Devo, but that he did all the music. Is that true? Yeah, that's why they had that Devo episode where all of the um all of the grown ups are. That like, makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. You can hear it now that you know. Go back and listen to the um to the like opening it's like song. Like and it, it connects. It's Whoa. legit. Yeah, yeah. The Rugrats movie, The Smell of Rama. And fun fact is that one of my old neighbors was is the Tommy Pickles voice actress. Really? Yeah. We bonded over, um, for both having a stalker. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, in LA. In LA. I was like, whoa, in Orange County? No, no, no. In LA. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Isn't that wild? It's so gross. She was like, yeah, like people would be obsessed with my like little boy voice. And so I got (laughs) stalkers and I was like, oh, that's, there's so many levels of just like not okay in that. Like you either are like a huge celebrity or you're like someone that does something like extremely specific like no one is safe yeah maybe well, the mid-level like boring people are well and i always said i i feel like being a songwriter or a voice actor is are probably the best routes of like getting the perks of being famous without with like maintaining your anonymity but yeah i guess not oh well, i hope she's good she seemed fine okay is she doing stuff now I actually thought I read something about like a rug, some sort of Rugrats <gasps> reboot and she, and it had the original voice of Tommy Pickles. Oh my God. I, I might be making that up. I'm actually going to double check that real quick. Rugrats reboot. Are you somebody that types with one finger? I can't, I'm doing it right now and I. No, I hate it. It makes me really upset. Hard. Yeah. Okay. According to Variety, Rugrats revival with original voice cast to debut on Paramount Plus. <gasps> so she got herself some more oh work. Oh my God. That's so exciting. I'm I've absolutely watching this. I loved the Rugrats. I love the sound of Phil and Lil's mm. little feet on the floor. Honestly, like we could do a full episode on Rugrats and like how groundbreaking I feel it was. <laughs> like the characters were ahead of their time. I know. Like I Angelica's mom the... being yeah. like a boss ass bitch and her dad being like a little simp. Yeah. <laughs> Before simps were even a thing. That's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Um, well, here's another crazy thing that I don't know if is real. Well, okay. Do you remember at, well, I don't know how it would work. Okay. But they're saying, um, a Harvard scientist was working on a new technology that would allow iPhones to share sense. Oh, I didn't know that. Which is, That's wild. How would that work? What, what do you want to send? Like I feel like people smelling. just send like <laughs> farts to each other. 
That's literally the only thing that I can think of that people it's like, said. Do we need that? Like, just go smell something outside. Like, I'm really, I'm racking my brain for anything other than farts. Well, the other one, do you remember the Storing Over California ride? At yeah, they Disney, do sense. Where they did the oranges and then you, everyone would be like, ooh, oranges. <laughs> it was like, yes. oh, it's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like it seems like that thing. Do you ever utilize the option on the iPhone where it's like you send a like, heart? I don't really yeah, understand. How, I don't understand how it works, but you like send it. You send your heartbeat or Is something. That, I think that's if you have a watch. Oh. But if you're just on your phone, there's you some menu like a, that I accidentally get to a lot. And then you send it and it's this like aesthetically gross looking thing. <laughs> and like it sends this like it's like on a black background it's like a neon like pink heart thing i don't really understand oh, it no, no. and it's like goes like yeah and i feel like people only use it like by accident or when it first came out in an update and people were like what is this and i feel like that's what the scent is gonna be is like oh i sent you like flowers do you smell them it's like no actually send me flowers you lazy yeah. pos yeah, Sorry, not POS. I love smells. That's why I feel very strongly about that. And it should not be desecrated by it. Because it would just be like an iPhone has this like weird smell, like tiny factory. And it probably all smells the same. And all the tiny men that would have to work on it. <laughs> hope they get livable wages. <laughs> I recently invested in, we have diffusers in our home now. Do you like them? Yes and no. So I like them because when they're, when I'm like motivated to like make it happen, it's like actually I feel really put together and it actually is really nice um like I work with a grapefruit scent in my office and then downstairs for the longest time like during the holidays I had like cedar mm. um but the thing that's annoying is that they run out of water frequently yeah. and it's just like a lot of work to like to put the water back in downstairs yeah. we keep the diffuser by the sink so it's like really easy but the one by my office it's like i'm just far enough yeah. that it's like and a lot of times i'm like i don't want to use my like water for my water bottle because then i'm gonna have to walk down to the like fridge and fill it up well to me like the diffusers smell like diffusers I don't know why yes but also my biggest fear is that my house smells like shit and <laughs> if there's a layer of diffuser over there then like it's harder to tell thing. i have the same thing like i'm, I'm just like so afraid of being smelly like, me too and i love the word smelly like i want to use that as an insult more of like you're, you're smelly my mom uses it to me and that's why i'm like probably shit. like really traumatized she used to tell me i smelled like a band-aid <laughs> which like is such a, a specific like burn that that's i'm like so specific like what i had an ex-boyfriend so when you're saying a uh, sense that reminds you of of old flames i had an old boyfriend who my dad literally pulled aside to tell him he needs to shower more <laughs> he but he did it in like a strategic way but you know my dad and my dad yeah. god bless this man but he's definitely where i get my bluntness <laughs> try as he may there's no way that he said this in a nice way but he said that he just emphasized to him and he tried to like empathize that like you know when i was a young man like i get it you don't want to shower like it's inconvenient <laughs> it's not productive but like sometimes oh, no. you need to shower and like you should think about like increasing your shower schedule and so like that like gross like man must makes me think of this ex. yeah Oh, yeah. I yeah. I hope nobody remembers me by the smell of my BO. <laughs> I know. I'm worried about that. But However, I feel like, do I smell good? 
I think so. I think you smell fine. Do you ever? Well, I, my bag smells like sunscreen. Your apparently. bag smells like sunscreen. Um, but I don't know. I will say though, BO is nothing to be ashamed of to a certain extent. Yeah, no, it's um, fine. It's like just... it's a thing that happens, but I, do you ever get a whiff of your own BO and you're just like, oh no. <laughs> I had more of, I think we should probably, it's probably long. There's this one boss ass bitch really fast. Her name's Dawn Goldworm and her entire thing. Her name's Dawn Goldworm gold worm that literally sounds like you just chose like <laughs> syllables and put them together but continue well she uh is the ceo and knows or scent director of what she calls her olfactory branding company okay 1229 which uses the quote visceral language of scent to transform brand building and she actually works with high profile customers like nike which which uses the smell of rubber basketball sneakers as it scrapes against the court. They like make that into a scent and like spray everything like that. So that's why Nike stuff all smells the same. Oh my gosh. Before you even said that in my head, I could think of what a Nike smelled like. Yeah. Crazy. That's wild. And so she says childhood tends to be the period in your life where you create the basis for smells you will like and hate for the rest of your life. Whoa. So she says, she also said that people tend to smell in color, demonstrating the connection of the pieces of paper dipped in scents that she handed out to her audience. Like most people, her listeners associated citrus flavored mandarins with the color orange, yellow, and green. While smelling a grassy scent, they envisioned green and brown, which like, I guess makes sense. Just like you're, that's not that revolutionary. Okay, Dawn. Um, um, I, when you said citrus, I pictured pink because I was thinking of grapefruit. Does that oh, make me special? Yeah. You're one of those <laughs> kind of a Pisces. Um, so she says her advice is to keep ca- a careful be, uh, wear a helmet if you ride a bike. <laughs> or, <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> That's her advice is wear a helmet if you ride a bike? Because wear a helmet if you ride a bike or are doing extreme sports, because the bony plate in your nose that connects to the olfactory bulb is particularly sensitive to injuring, meaning head trauma can shear the plate off, causing people to lose their sense of smell entirely. What? Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize it was so sensitive. And she also gives us the advice that your nose is like a muscle in the body that can be strengthened. So you should give it a daily workout with sniffs. <laughs> and her advice quote like- is just pay attention. When you're walking down the street, consciously indicate what you are smelling. The more you use your nose, the stronger it gets. Wow. Interesting. Well, my sense of smell has definitely gotten really acute lately. Yeah. I definitely, I think I have a very sense, like I am good at pointing out scents. Me too. Okay. Hmm. We're so gifted. Like sensitive. Yeah. So that's the Proust effect. The Proust effect. The long what one. What a journey. I like it. I like it. That's perfect because mine's like relatively short. Okay. Or great. it could be as short as and as long or as long as you'd like it to be. Is it about like Rugrats? Choose your adventure. Because that'll be a three-hour lecture. That would be... I like want to do a podcast on Rugrats now because I... Watch out for next week. I'm coming with Rugrats. <laughs> Don't take it. I great. have a lot to say about Rugrats and actually I watched a documentary about it. So they have a documentary about like Rugrats. Yeah. Well, it's about, it's called the, the orange years. I think it's a documentary about like the formation of Nickelodeon. Ugh. And since Rugrats was one of their first, 
um, animated original that. programming. Yeah. They go like relatively deep into it, oh, but there's wow. some, it's actually really fascinating. It gave, I had a, a lot of respect for Nickelodeon. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but it, I highly recommend it to people. I really, really liked it. I think there was also like a nostalgia factor, obviously of me loving it. Yeah. And although I am a Disney adult, I would say I grew up being kind of outside of like Disney films. My day-to-day television viewing habits were Nickelodeon. Mm -hmm. So it, it was fascinating from that angle to see how adults were looking at the TV that formed a lot of my childhood. Yeah. Um, And then I think it gave me a lot of respect and curiosity for what goes into children's TV and thinking about how, children nowadays are consuming a lot of YouTube, which not to take anything away from people like Blimby, what's Blippy, Blippy, um, because I'm sure there's YouTube channels where, you know, there's people thinking about like children's ed- education and like, what should they be watching, et cetera, et cetera. However, I'm sure there's just as many YouTube channels of people just like, you know, doing whatever they think is best. Um, and seeing that um, in the case of Nickelodeon, there was a lot of thought. It was very thoughtful. Now that I'm thinking what, about it, I'm like, that's the best possible media to get into because that is the most formational thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, ugh. super yeah. fascinating. So highly recommend. And speaking of recommend, I recommend you listen to my topic. Okay. So my topic is more of a philosophical thought experiment. Okay. Hit me. So, um, I am going to read an excerpt of Alan Watts, the dream of life, mm-hmm. which to my understanding was like a lecture that he did. Okay. And a little, little bit about Alan Watts. Um, he was a British philosopher who was well known for introducing the hippie counterculture to the way of Zen, which was a book he wrote. Oh. And that played a major role in introducing Buddhism to a young Western audience. Okay. Seemed like a really interesting guy. And when I was briefly researching who he was and his sitch, it kind of felt like he had like a Jack Kerouac esque, um, status maybe is the word. Um, but I'll get to that in a second. So he eventually went on to join a seminary and study Christian scriptures, theology, et cetera, and tried to find a blend of contemporary Christianity and Asian philosophy. Um, he actually got a master's in theology. He eventually was ordained as a priest and then resigned by 1950, apparently after having an affair and getting his marriage annulled. Um, he ultimately died at age 58 from what appears to be some sort of combination of alcoholism and maybe a heart condition. Mm. And the reason why I, Kerouac came to mind is because when I was looking him up a lot, there's a biography on him that basically shows him as like a flawed human being. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least that was my impression of like after reading some reviews and kind of doing a little bit of research. Yeah. Um, but it seems like, you know, he was a philosopher of like a lot of, a lot of religion. And I think people got this idea because based on what I've seen from him, he does have a lot of like profound ideas that like I really connected with. Yeah. And I think people forget that just because you have that, like, and you're studying religion that you don't like, you still have flaws and are human. Yeah. 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 Um, and it seemed like some people were kind of appalled maybe is a more intense word than the word I'm looking for. But the fact that like he struggled with alcoholism and he had extramarital affairs and wasn't just this like little perfect pristine yeah. China doll. 
Um, but anyways, so the dream of life, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but, um, I will read an excerpt. Okay. Let's suppose that you were able every night to dream any dream you wanted to dream and that you could, for example, have the power within one night to dream 75 years of time or any length of time you wanted to have. And you would naturally, as you began on this adventure of dreams, you would fulfill all your wishes. You would have every kind of pleasure you could conceive. And after several nights of 70 and after several nights of 75 years of total pleasure, each you would say, quote, well, that was pretty great, but now let's have a surprise. Let's have a dream, which isn't under control where something is going to happen to me that I don't know what it's going to be. And you would dig that and you would and you would dig that and would come out of that and you would say, quote, wow, that was a, cl- a close shave, wasn't it? Then you would get more and more adventurous and you would make further and further out gambles what you would dream. And finally, you would dream where you are now. You would dream the dream of living the life that you are actually living today. So more or less what that's saying is it's this thought experiment of if you were able to be in full control of your life at first you would get your way, have everything be perfect. You'd live out your dreams. And eventually you would actually get tired of that perfection and lack of chaos and instead dream up the chaos and chance and want to lose control, which would ultimately, um, well, what poses that eventually you would end up in the same or similar situation that you're living right now. Whoa. Yeah. And so why I liked it was one, I thought it was a beautiful way to sum up gratitude and being exactly where you're supposed to be kind of that whole idea. Mm -hmm. Um, and knowing that he's coming from both a Christian and like Buddha, I would say, I don't know where he ultimately landed on things, but it seemed like it was like a Christianity influenced by Buddhism. Yeah. Um, knowing that that makes sense that that's kind of what he's trying to bring across. But also what I thought was interesting was this idea of the limitations of our minds based on what we already know and there being a limited capacity for that. So like if you're dreaming up your ideal situations, then like, of course you would probably end up where you currently are because based on all the information up to that point, it's led you there. And that's all your mind knows. So if it is looking for randomized chance, yeah, you would end up to where you currently are. No, that totally checks out to me because I was a big daydreamer as a kid. And mm-hmm. like I always had like big visions of like, this is what I would really do. And I would like be married to John Mayer. <laughs> not Marcus Mumford, but you wanted to smell like him. Well, Marcus, I mean, that, was, that, Why was, a, not both? that was a same side of... Same, different side of the same coin. Por que no los dos. But the older you get, I don't know, it's like the older you get, the more you realize like chaos and like, uh, like, you know, living life like on the road and being chaotic and what's the word I'm looking for? Like spontaneity. Spontaneity is actually like kind of exhausting. <laughs> and like, it's like, I don't know, it's like the classic like, star is born like you have it all but like you start doing drugs and it's just bad you know where it's like that's why that totally checks out to me because you still are you when you have those dreams you know so like you just tone it down it's like your life wait okay is that what he's saying i don't know that i understand what you just said can you let me say go back from when you said spontaneity that's where i kind of lost okay um or you lost me so the spontaneity, like you want to live like life on the edge all the time. Like that's the dream, right? 
Is it the dream? Or maybe that says something about me. Like, I don't know. That that's would be exciting, right? Is okay, to like sure. do whatever you have the means and the energy to do whatever you want. See, to me, that doesn't read as spontaneity. That reads as predictability. If you are in charge of making sure that you have everything that you want. Well, I'm looking at this that like you basically do nothing for money. You just have it. Okay, sure. Right? Like you're not like a career woman. Okay. <laughs> who like has a bunch of money. But what I'm saying is that that like sort of lifestyle of like being crazy and like living on a whim is actually like not sustainable. And so it's pretty like energetically. Yeah. Like you would kind of fade down to like who you are currently. You know what I mean? Okay. That makes sense. I guess. Is that what he's saying? Basically. Well, I think it's whatever your version of your dream, live out your dreams is. I think that what my interpretation of it is that like, if you had the ability to be in full control and kind of play God for your own life and get everything that you wanted, presumably I think most people, if they were in full control of their life, they'd give themselves everything that they wanted and fulfill all their own desires that like eventually, whether it's from boredom or like what it stems from, you would get tired of that and crave randomness and crave like the chaos that comes natural to life and whether that's because that's like an innately human thing whether that's because that's what we're used to whether that's because having everything go your way just isn't the human experience because like you're not going to be growing yeah who knows what that is but that eventually what you would dream would be your exact situation yeah 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 that totally checks out and that's gratitude right Mm -hmm. that is I love that. That's so beautiful. Right? But I think it's so, I don't know. I I just love it. Yeah. Well, I wanted to hear your thoughts on it, which well, you obviously just gave it to me. But Well, I also feel like I recently have been feeling a lot of gratitude for my life because I was thinking about, like, I've been f- dealing with, like, feeling old <laughs> and feeling yeah. very weird about that, as Wait, I've this mentioned is, a lot. It's so funny that this is coming up right now because I was talking to my therapist today. So, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't already know, Kate and I's birthdays are within like two weeks of each other. Yeah. And we, I was telling her that I'm struggling with feeling old, but I don't know anybody that also is, but you are too. Yeah. Sorry, continue. <laughs> it's like sad. And I know I'm not during that old, but like it is the number we're about to turn feels like, oh God, like that's kind of an old. It feels real. Yeah, and I know it's not Do you mind if old. I tell people how yeah, old yeah, you're turning? Okay. So we're turning 27. And it just is like, that's like a, that's not, like 22 still feels like, ooh, like I'm. You're just out of high school. What's going to happen? Yeah. But 27, it's like, oh God, like that's, we're settling down now. Well, and I feel like for me, it's like 25. This is so, I should have known that you would have felt the same way. <laughs> and the reasoning is exactly where I'm at. So for me, it's like 25 is like mid 20s. That's still like yeah. young. And then 26 is like, well, you're still like pretty close to 25. And then like 27 is like not like there's no reasoning your way out of this. Like you are in your late 20s. Yeah. It's like you got to start thinking. Yeah. I don't know. Um, But so I've been thinking about that a lot. I've been feeling sad about it, but I've also been feeling a lot of gratitude for my life because what I realized it's like, Man, if I, 10 years ago, even like more than that, like if I looked at myself when I was 14, 
to see what I'm doing now, I'd be like, that's the coolest girl. <laughs> oh my which gosh, so, I could cry. Which is like so cheesy, but like that's, I believe that. I've never thought about the, right? Oh my gosh, wait, my 14 year old self, I'm like she starting so to cry. She'd you. be so proud of me. Are we both crying? Yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh, but that, that really, oh my gosh, anytime I feel like I'm not doing anything with my life and that you I feel so lost, I just have, because truly, well, and I think that that just like also speaks to the hope of like, and it's so ironic that I'm about to say this because I was going to say turning 27 has made me realize how much more present I want to be yeah. Um, in the pandemic, well, <laughs> um, but when you think about like, well, in 10 years, like like I don't think as a 14 year old or let's say even 17, let's keep it 10 years. I don't think as a 17 year old, I could have told you what my life would have had in store for me. Yeah. And so it's really exciting to think about like, what are the next 10 years going to look like? Yeah. What will I looking, be looking back at? Oh my God, 37. Oh, let's not stop. (laughs) Turn it back. Turn Turn it back. back. (laughs) Um, No, but it's just, I don't know. It. I. I would agree though. Turning twenty-seven for some reason is making me extremely existential. Yeah, yeah. But I also think that we, as teenagers, like tried really hard. Oh, absolutely. You know, like it was like I really wanted to be twenty-seven and be absolutely in this position. Absolutely. So it is like it's not like this was random chance that this happened. So it's like it feels good, you know. Oh, totally. It's very validating. Totally. Well, and it's just, I don't know if it's like, I think what's also grounding me is this idea of like, okay, so I'm turning 27. You are too, obviously we've established this. And what is stressing me out? And ultimately what it comes down to are expectations that I've internalized of like what I need to have done by 27. What do I need to have done by 30? What does it mean to be 30? What does it mean to be 35? Where am I in my life? Do I own a house? Like how many kids do I have? Because I think I should have X number of kids by the time I'm 35 and I should be in this place in my career. And really, I think that's what's stressing me out. Yeah. I mean, there is an aspect of loss that we were kind of talking about. I think it was before we started recording of like the people around me getting older, specifically like my parents and my grandparents. Um, That aspect is very real. And I think the way that I'm trying to reconcile with it, courtesy of my therapist, is she said, practice um, present positivity of like presently, like, yes, I'm going to like miss my family members when the time comes and they pass away. But right now, like I'm so grateful that like, I have such a loving family. Yeah. But the, the part of like societal expectations and internalized expectations, that really is the only other aspect of aging that stresses me out. I guess that's not true. Aside from like physically aging, that stresses me out a lot. Aging stresses me out. Um, But the, the part of the societal expectations, I think that's something that's very in control in your own control that like you can control what? (laughs) You just like broke. (laughs) I did just break. But my whole point is that it's like, it's internalized and you can let go of that. And I think taking that pressure off will allow, at least I know it'll allow me to enjoy my life a lot more and aging a lot more. 
There's, I mean, we talked about this before this podcast was starting. Maybe we should just start recording our whole lives and then just kind of as edit soon as it you as soon as you get to my apartment, just like we'll just, mics on. <laughs> here you go. I just like hand you. Um, we were talking about the movie Nomadland, which I'm mm-hmm. a huge fan of, and I'm really excited for you to see it because I think it ca- encapsulates this beautifully in a way that I've actually have never seen in a movie. Because I tell Caleb this all the time that it's like. I really feel for older women. Like you just like aren't desired anymore. You're like casted away and it's really sad. Like it's like very dehumanizing, I think. Mm-hmm. And this movie, what it, it I think it, it's talking about a lot, but the thing that I, uh, what's the word? Nav- Got I navigated to, or like I latched onto was like resonated. Like, the part that resonated with me is the main character. She is an older woman, but she's so full of life and she feels ageless. She feels like there's times where she's like so full of play and there's this part, it's not a spoiler at the beginning where she goes to a job agency and they're like, why don't you just retire? Like you, you're out of retiring. And she's like, I like to work. Like I want to keep working. Like it makes me feel good. And I just am like, I don't know, but the movie is like redeeming. It's not like, oh, like it's sad that she's old. (laughs) You know what I mean? As you say, if that's the the takeaway. The whole movie is like, like you will feel ageless your whole life. And like the, the, there's things that you can do to, to even broaden that. And like a lot of it is like connecting with nature, which so that's why I think you'll like it. It's very I'm beautiful. so excited. But it literally like made me sob. Oh, good. Because I just like saw myself in this woman so much. And I was like, there's hope for me. <laughs> oh, good. I'm excited to watch yeah. it. I'm excited to watch it. Yeah. But yeah, that's, I mean, it's like relatively quick, but I just, I really wanted to share that with our audience I mean, and share that with cry. you because I thought it was just really beautiful. <laughs> and then there was one other quote um, that came up in my research that felt relevant. Maybe it's really, it's overly personal because I'm looking back at it and I don't think it connects to my actual topic that much, but I just like (laughs) found it while I was diving down like a philosophy hole. Yeah, sure. And I, I don't know. I, again, curious to hear your thoughts. So this episode is just Sydney philosophy quotes. Um, it's by a woman named Marianne Williamson. Oh, Marianne. Wait, do you know who's She ran for president. Oh, am I an idiot? (laughs) Fuck. Marianne's wild. Wait, what? (laughs) She ran for president? Yeah, she's like this kind of self-help guru that ran for president in the Democratic primary. And she was like a meme icon. Wait, when was this? This This year? The last election cycle. What the? Marianne. Is Marianne still running? Oh no. Oh no. I feel so stupid right now. Wow. Okay. Well, there's that. What was her quote though? Wait, now I'm concerned that I didn't remember her, that I don't remember this woman. How far into the... She didn't get that far. She didn't get that far. But she was... Kind of was it far enough that I should have known that she would... Maybe. Oh, no. No, not that far. I think she got far... She got farther than Kamala. Like, when Kamala was, like, running. Wait, really? Okay, because yeah. I was aware... Oh, maybe I just blacked out. I she was, know. like, not... She was obviously not going to win. Like, she was one of those, like, randos. Well, now I feel like it, this is a really good quote, but now that it's, like, painted in the light no, of her I think saying it, I'm like... I think she's a smart lady in the, but I feel like 
now I'm reading this quote. Damn, I shouldn't have told you who said it. I, now I'm reading this quote as like in like some spe- political speech. And that to me, I don't know when it was said or written or whatever. Okay. And that to me like, oh no. Well, here's, here's the quote. <laughs> Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people will not feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as some... We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us. It is in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give others permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Okay. That's, I love that. That's so real. I'm glad you reacted this way. I feel so stupid. No, I think Marin is a really smart person. I think she, I mean... I think that's beautiful. And I actually have been thinking that a lot and been affirmed that by Caleb a lot because I realize a lot of my early 20s has been battling the feeling of like having to like not be confident because it makes other people feel bad. You know what I mean? When it's like... Absolutely. Making yourself smaller to be more palpable. Palpable. Like my whole life, it's like I really have like known what I wanted to do my whole life. And that makes a lot of people like self-conscious mm-hmm. and it sh- it shouldn't be, you know, that's like their own thing. But because I could sense that it'd be like, Oh no, like I don't, I'm not really that serious about it. Like da da da. And like, but that like weighs on you and then you get imposter syndrome about it. And then you don't think anything you're doing is legitimate. And then da 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 da. But it's mm-hmm. like, it's okay to be confident because I realized when I started to act confident and like, be like, no, like I really am good at this thing. Like that makes other people, I'm, I'm basically saying what she's saying, but that makes other people do the same, you mm-hmm. know? Cause like everyone is just constantly, you know, like feeling, yeah. Yeah. Feeling very similar. Well, I definitely, I mean, so much of this quote rev- resonated with me, but like the idea that our deepest fear isn't that we're inadequate. It's that we're powerful and that that's frightening. Yeah. Um, but then the end of as we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others really yeah, resonated with me I because I feel like as I was reading this, not that I didn't believe it, but you know, you can kind of argue that it's like, oh, that's not necessarily true. Da, da, da. But it's like, I can literally think of somebody right now who is so confident in her own skin that it actually inspires me to yeah, be more confident no, exactly just because of the way she handles herself the way she makes her decisions the way that she just like is so unapologetically who she is like that to me is inspiring and yeah sometimes when I'm really stuck to be honest with you I'm or I'm like acting in a way that I don't love how to act but I'm not sure what what my ideal self would do. I think of like, what would this person do? Yeah. And like, so reading that and being able to connect with that as being really real makes the rest of the quote easier for me to be like, no, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Go Marianne. (laughs) Go Marianne. (laughs) Um, well that's the end of the episode. 
Thank you all for this wild ride. Thanks yet again. for this wild ride yet again. Don't forget to follow our Instagram. Shut up. Keep going. All one word. Uh, we post image guides for each episode and occasionally a meme is included in there. So and wear a helmet and protect your uh, little bone in your nose and the other little bone. <laughs> Cut a if protect you have bone. one. If you have one. If you got them. Okay. Bye.